Senator, welcome to Austin. Thank you, Parker. It's, a, it's an honor for me to, to be here to facilitate this discussion. Um, I've known Senator Lummis for several years now, um, before she was a senator. I guess I've probably known you since you were in the U.S. House. Um, but you've become the um, really leading champion for Bitcoin in the U.S. Congress. And before we talk about some of the work that you're doing, I thought it would be helpful just if you could talk a little bit about what Bitcoin means to you, why you think it's important on a personal level, and if you could just give a little bit of your history and your background before you became a senator and how that's kind of informed um, some of your views on Bitcoin, that would be uh, really great. Well, Parker, uh, Parker, by the way, is my grandson's godfather. So, of course, I've known uh, Parker for a long time, and he's, uh, he's wonderful to my four-year-old grandson. Um, I was state treasurer of Wyoming, and in that capacity was always looking for good stores of value because uh, we were taking minerals out of the ground, and... Uh, the state of Wyoming would get a share of the mineral income to invest in its permanent mineral trust fund. Uh, the permanent mineral trust fund then is, a is in a diversified asset allocation and produces annual uh, revenue to the state of Wyoming in the form of um, interest income, dividends, and capital gains. So we're taking minerals out of the ground, mining them, and then investing them in another long-term permanent asset, which is a diversified asset allocation. And I was always, when I was state treasurer, looking for some assets that would produce short-term revenue and other assets that were a long-term store of value, just like the minerals that were stored underground when they were still uh, in situ. Um, and so that's part of the reason that Bitcoin made a lot of sense to me. It's something that is mined, which is a concept that's very familiar to the state of Wyoming. state of Wyoming is the largest net exporter of energy in the US. Now, of course, Texas produces more energy than Wyoming, but you also consume more energy than Wyoming. Uh, our small population makes it so Wyoming uh, produces and exports more energy to other states. So then, when I started learning about Bitcoin, all of the qualities of Bitcoin just made sense to me. It's something that is mined, that it takes energy to produce. Uh, that energy adds to its value because then the Bitcoin is put on the blockchain. Uh, and it is a long-term store of value. There will only be 21 million Bitcoin, never mind. So all of these concepts uh, were pretty seamlessly uh, understood 
uh, and it just made sense to me. So when uh, my son-in-law uh, first helped me buy a Bitcoin, uh, at least the concept made sense to me, even if as a baby boomer, uh, I'm not the most computer savvy person in the room. So your, your family though also, you're a fourth generation um, Wyoming cowboy. Mm -hmm. um, and your family's been in the ranching business. And maybe if you could just talk a little bit about that of, of, of work and producing value and then thinking about that in relation to Bitcoin and, and needing to also convert the output of labor into Bitcoin and how you think about it on that personal level. So being in the commodity business, and of course we all know that Bitcoin is a commodity, um, there is, uh, I'm, I'm a rancher, I produce a commodity, I produce cattle. Uh, and then we sell them and either into uh, the, directly into the food market if they're grass-fed or if a, the next buyer wants to feed corn to them, then they can fatten them and sell them uh, again to, as a finished product. So uh, it, it required a lot of labor and it required energy, um, either energy to produce the hay, put up the hay to feed to the cattle in the winter, in our harsher long winters, um, or um, to truck them uh, to places, to move them, uh, to produce the hay to feed to the horses to move the cattle. All is an energy-based business. Um, and then later when I was practicing law, uh, I worked for some oil and gas companies. I practiced mineral valuation law. How do you value minerals for the purpose of applying a, a severance tax rate, a royalty rate, an ad valorem tax rate? So my pr law practice centered around how do you value minerals? And at, at, at its very lowest value, it is at least the cost to produce the mineral, and yes, occasionally minerals would drop below the cost of production, but if it stays there for a sustained period, then that oil and gas well is shut in. The same is true with a coal mine. So finding value uh, in something that is produced from the ground uh, by working people, um, it, it, it's, these are all just concepts that are innate uh, in my nature, and so many things about Bitcoin made perfect sense to me. Yeah, uh, yeah let's give that a hand. Um, on, on that point, because I think it ties, weaves in your personal kind of background and history with um, prior to being in the U.S. Congress, working within the state first, uh, or maybe not first, but as a state treasurer, as you were describing, we had a conversation a while back about the idea of that severance tax, um, but also the concept of when you're, you know, kind of, you were explaining your thinking of it around the idea that a mineral can only be taken out of the ground once, and then it's severed, and then in the, con in the context of the state and, say, a permanent fund, 
that then the primary goal is to, to preserve the value of that. And that's why you, you talk about that long-term store of value. I can't remember exactly what it's like protecting the corpus. But maybe if you could just talk about that idea of like now kind of the connection between the per, your kind of personal background as well as the state, but that idea of, of matching um, the, the permanence of taking a mineral out of the ground and then needing to match um, kind of the scarcity of that um, if you could just relay that. Well, exactly right, Parker. You know, you take, uh, Wyoming has uh, a tax on oil, gas, and coal, uh, but it's only taxed once. It's taxed when it is severed from the ground and sold. And so since it's only taxed once, uh, and it is a depletable resource, we want to make sure that the state of Wyoming uh, has just a little slice of that that can be invested long term to replicate the fact that it is a long term resource that is now being removed and will not be regenerated. So we want to create a regenerative resource in its place. So the fact that it is now uh, being depleted if, and removed from the ground um, is something that um, the state and its people uh, can enjoy long into the future. So uh, we take that money, we invest it in stocks, bonds, uh, special assets, things like um, private equity. Uh, and we want to have some assets that throw off income and some that are long-term stores of value. Uh, and what's, what's so analogous, I believe, to Bitcoin is that long-term store of value. You know, this is long money. This is the money that you want to have in your portfolio um, so you can be assured uh, that as time goes on, uh, it's going to be there, and it is reliably there. And so taking that mentality and going to the U.S. House of Representatives in 2009, that was when uh, our national debt uh, was just a little over $9 trillion. Nine. And I thought that was... Horrific. I thought the sky was falling at nine trillion. Yeah, I think it was four trillion when I was in high school, and now I don't know. I've lost track. So it was nine then. I think there were probably five or six years between high school and two thousand nine. But now, where we are, where are we today? Yeah, we're over thirty trillion. Now, here's the problem. That is our jet, our our debt to GDP ratio is now 130%, which means um, the gross domestic product of our nation is smaller than our debt. And for nations that have allowed that to occur uh, long term, uh, there, there has been a national failure. There, the nations do not survive that when they allow that situation to go unaddressed. And so one of the things coming back now 
uh, to Congress. I, I was in the U.S. House for eight years that coincided with the Obama presidency. I was back in Wyoming during the Trump presidency, and now I am back in Washington. Um, it, it's just terrifying to me that we are now to the point where our debt to GDP uh, is 130%, and there's no significant acknowledgement of concern that this is a problem, none. Yeah, that, that was one thing that Will and I were talking about, or Will brought up to me, but it was a good point, about um, in 2008 or nine when TARP happened, mm -hmm. um, I think it was $745 billion that people were losing their mind. And then as this has become normalized of just reckless, unfettered, uncontrolled, um, spending has occurred that that people have become numb to it. Now we have a $750 billion re Inflation Reduction Act, and I think that's a good maybe place to pivot to. Um, we talked a little bit about Wyoming and, your, and your, your personal background, but also why Bitcoin is important to America. And then I uh, would like to talk a little bit about the, the legislation that you're working on with uh, Senator Gillibrand from New York as well. So one of the reasons that uh, I've taken such an interest in, in Bitcoin uh, as a, an asset that uh, the United States needs to nurture um, is because I'm concerned about the fact that the United States dollar, um, as the world's reserve currency, uh, is losing value all the time because we're spending it uh, without having the resources to back it up. It's backed by debt. And uh, if we don't address the debt, we're putting ourselves in a position where paying interest, annual interest on the debt could exceed the entire budget of the U.S. Department of Defense. And we have to pay interest on the national debt first before we spend money on anything else. So when interest rates go up, like they are now, uh, we have to pay more interest on the national debt, which crowds out the ability to fund things like uh, infrastructure on roads and bridges. But there's just no acknowledgement of that fact by the U.S. Congress. So this year, first there was a $1.9 trillion expenditure on COVID relief, but this was after COVID was essentially over. Then we had the infrastructure bill, only a small portion of which actually was infrastructure. Uh, and that was the bill that contained the definition of broker that really got my attention. So uh, here's, here's Bitcoin uh, happily going along without government regulation and interference. And then out of the U.S. Treasury Department last summer comes a definition of broker for purposes of the Internal Revenue Code that includes miners and developers. Well, to me, that represented a misunderstanding of um, digital assets, 
Bitcoin specifically, but all digital assets. You know, there is no broker um, relationship to being uh, doing coding or doing um, um, mining. And so I'm going, U.S. Treasury does not understand this asset class. So I began working with some other U.S. senators that were very concerned about um, the misunderstanding displayed by the U.S. Department of Treasury. Ron Wyden of Oregon is one of them. The great thing about having Ron Wyden as a colleague is he's the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee right now, which is the tax writing committee. And so he was in a position to work hard with Treasury. Now, we didn't get the change accomplished, but we, but here's what you all did that really was a game changer. We asked you to contact your U.S. senators to fix this, and you did. And for the first time ever, U.S. senators began to understand that people who own digital assets, Bitcoin and others, uh, are a significant and very knowledgeable and important part of their constituency. So that was the big nexus between you, uh, the Bitcoin community, and the US Congress. And then after that, we started to realize, you know, we need to address this complete disconnect in understanding between what's going on in, um, in cryptocurrency and, and a dearth of understanding in the US Congress. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that a lot of Bitcoiners recognize, which is Bitcoin doesn't need any help to, um, to succeed. We often talk about how we're gonna win. We're, you know, we're gonna win in any cases, but it's more doing things to ensure that people don't infringe on our rights and taking forward action to protect the interests of individuals, companies, and industry, um, but ultimately our ability to freely transact with each other. And so maybe if you could just talk about a few of the things uh, in the legislation that you view to be the most important, as well as uh, an update of, of progress and, and how you think um, that will progress from here. Okay, so after last summer, um my staff and I started drafting a comprehensive bill. And we put out our first draft quietly in December. We got a lot of great feedback. We put out the next draft and then the next quietly behind the scenes. During that time, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York uh, developed a real interest in this subject matter. She comes from you know, the financial center of uh, the U.S. certainly, and some might say the world. And so she is, uh, has become involved and knowledgeable, and so this bill is known as the Lemus-Gillibrand Bill. Uh, it takes existing law and lays uh, cryptocurrency over it. So uh, existing definitions of what is a commodity versus what is a security can apply here, and Bitcoin is clearly, clearly a commodity. It is fully decentralized. Uh, some other cryptocurrencies are not, 
and so they're more apt to fall into the category of a security. Uh, you have members of Congress who think, oh, well, these uh, cryptocurrencies are just used for crime and fraud and scams, and so we've got a lot of education to do. And we had thought initially we would spend the entire calendar year 2022 uh, just working on education, but we had to uh, engage in uh, crafting legislation as both a tool of education, so people in the Congress would begin to understand this asset class, and as a way to shape uh, our legislative future, because Europe's ahead of us. Uh, Australia is working on these issues. Uh, Switzerland, in many ways, is way ahead of us. Uh, the UK is working on these issues. And if we want a innovative, uh, work environment for digital assets in this country, um, we need that framework. Now, Bitcoin specifically by itself does not. If you never engage with the United States dollar, with our fiat currency, you can blissfully have Bitcoin and interact with other uh, Bitcoin transactions without ever engaging in the U.S. economy. And if you can do that, good on you. Uh, but if you ever have to engage with the U.S. economy, with the U.S. dollar, uh, there need to be ways to protect consumers, especially from frauds and scams, uh, most of which occur with altcoins. But since members of Congress don't even know the difference, between an altcoin and a Bitcoin, um, it's important that we lay out this regulatory framework. There is one, Warren Davidson, who does also know, like you, the differences between Bitcoin and altcoins. Um, but one of the things I think in the bill is, and kind of it's part to that point, but maybe in a little bit of a in-between zone, is having a, a certain transaction size where below that threshold would uh, not trigger a tax event. And um, we've talked a lot about in the past the the promise of the Lightning Network, but whether it's the Lightning Network or other mediums and protocols to be able to further develop the transactional layers on Bitcoin. Um, just talk about that because that is something that is, um, I mean, people are still developing on it, but it does present challenges when every single Bitcoin transaction, if I'm you know buying something, you know, buying a gallon of gasoline, you know, pizza, food, coffee, paying an electric bill, everything is a taxable event, even if they're very small purchases. So I believe that is part of the bill. And just It is. The, the bill created a what we call de minimis amount. So uh, if you, as the Lightning Network or other means of exchange become more mainstream, uh, we want to make sure that, you know, every time you go buy a cup of coffee, uh, that you're not uh, engaged in a taxable event. So the, the bill was originally drafted, I think at about 1,000 was de minimis, you know, and Treasury keeps ratcheting it down, and now I think they've got it down to $50. But we're going to keep working with them because uh, this bill's going nowhere this year. Uh, we're running out of legislative days to accomplish things that are this comprehensive and this complicated. So I can assure you this bill's going nowhere. 
And so I, I want to put this year, but Kirsten Gillibrand and I plan on reintroducing it in January in its entirety, and we want your input between now and then. So help us determine what is a appropriate de minimis amount and why. <laughs> million sats. Yeah. Million, million sats, uh, is that what I hear? 10 million sats? Higher? Five, 50 million sats. 100 million sats. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll come back to, to the senator with, uh, with our Good. thoughts. Good. She did and post the bill on GitHub yes. for comments. There, as there will always be, there were trolls. But then there were a lot of people that also provided a lot of a lot of um, great input and comments. With that, I wanted to. We've got about five or six minutes. I thought it would be helpful if, and then we'll kind of have a closing wrap up. But um, give the chance for a few people to ask questions to the crowd. And if you can just, uh, Tim. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think to the senator's point, the IRS is bringing that number down at the same time that the Fed's printing that number higher. It's, you know, hit them high, hit them low. Um, but we're, we're going to come back at them with a fixed 21 million supply cap, and everybody else is going to have to change. Um, and thank you for the tip about Australia, because if another nation has taken the lead on that, it gives us a peg to hang our coat on to take to Treasury and say, look, um, Bitcoin can vote with its feet. Bitcoiners can go anywhere in the world. So let's not create an atmosphere here that is hostile. Let's create an atmosphere here that is friendly. So I'm going to turn it to um, the gentleman in the back. Um, but before I do that, I think that's a really important point, which is that Bitcoin can vote with its feet unlike anything uh, that's ever existed, that people can take their entire wealth to the jurisdictions that respect their rights as much as possible. And having people in the U.S. Senate who recognize that is incredibly important. All right. Uh, gentleman in the back.
the most, in, in my opinion, now I'm just giving you my opinion, Treasury is the most hostile. Some people point to uh, the SEC as the most hostile. I completely disagree. I think Gary Gensler's much more knowledgeable about this than people give him credit for. And he will say publicly and has said publicly, Bitcoin is a commodity. Um, and of course, uh, the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, is very pro um, developing the uh, spot market and futures market uh, for these assets. So uh, I, th I think we're good to go at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. Uh, we've got to work some work to do it tr at uh, the SEC, but the most work is going to be at Treasury. Now, when Janet Yellen uh, became the Treasury Secretary, she was really, I would say, quite hostile. And she has softened her views somewhat, which is encouraging. Um, I suspect that really Gary Gensler has been, been playing a role in helping soften her views. Uh, but uh, she seems to be very close to Elizabeth Warren and that's a struggle for us. That, I think, is uh, our, 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 our most uh, rigid uh, opponent. And so we're going to be struggling uh, there. Uh, but I think we're making a little bit of progress, maybe not specifically with Senator Warren, but with people uh, that are still in her orbit. Uh, this is, it's going to be a heavy lift, especially on the banking committee, which I'm on, because Elizabeth Warren's on banking. I think it's going to be better with the Ag Committee in the Senate, which is where the, the jurisdiction over the Commodity Futures Trading Commission is. Because Russ Benham, head of the CFTC, is very, very approachable and friendly and happy with this legislation. Senator Gillibrand is on Senate Ag. Uh, Senator Stabenow and uh, Bozeman, who are the ranking Republican and the chairman of Senate Ag, are doing their own bill on the CFTC jurisdiction part of this. So, and it's similar to ours, uh, to the Gillibrand-Lemmis bill. And so I think we're going to make a lot of progress on the CFTC side, which is going to affect more Bitcoiners than say, altcoins. Altcoins are going to all end up over at the SEC and have to struggle with the higher level of scrutiny associated with consumer protection that the, and disclosures that the SEC is really good at. Uh, so, you, you know, it's, it's easier to talk to Bitcoin people than some of the other uh, cryptocurrencies about this because you're complete decentralization status is something that federal regulators understand. So our, our work with Treasury is going to be to, you know, try to keep their, uh, their, their uh, mitts off it. Uh, and this gentleman who mentioned the Australia uh, $10,000 is, or 10000 
yeah, dollars is uh, really giving us some good ideas. So, see, I learn something from you every time I spend time with you. So sometimes I think to myself, oh, people are getting tired of hearing me talk about this. But this, these kinds of engagements are meaningful because what you say ends up influencing what we do. And I want you to know that you will make a difference. So please help us make this a better bill. So as we wrap up, um, I got two quick questions for you because um, we are just over time. Whenever Senator Warren comes up, I always just point out that Massachusetts produces very little energy and that in the grand scheme, she is one of 100, but states like Texas and states like Wyoming, the, the largest energy producers in the country, um, are going to, to lead on this initiative and there are hard economic incentives at play. Um, so first question, which state's treasurer, Texas or Wyoming, is going to put Bitcoin um, I don't even know if states technically have balance sheets, but in their general fund. Uh, and then two, uh, Marty Bent and I always talk about how we're gonna win. Are we gonna win? Which state, Texas or Wyoming? If I have anything to say about it, Wyoming is going to win. All right. Well, I'll be doing everything I can to uh, lock down the state of Texas there, and I think we're going to win, but we're all going to win because we got Bitcoin. So thank you, Senator Lummis, for being here today. Thank you all.